I was sharing with some of them. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, I was sharing with some this morning. Um, Friday morning, when I'm getting ready to teach, I have this tendency to sequester myself. It's just one of those things. I'm easily distracted. And the Lord just kind of um, brings me into an alone place, a, a quiet place. And so Friday morning, I came over here, I guess it's probably 7.30-ish, and just kind of went in my office and began to study a little bit and just began to seek the Lord regarding his mother, which I cannot wait to talk to you about. But um, when I was in there, I was studying. I was just spending some time with him, and I was in there all day until probably, I, I got home probably around 2.30, but all day these words kept coming into my spirit, and it was Jeremiah 31, and it was the sound of Rachel weeping for her children. And as, I, as that would come to my spirit, I kept thinking that that had something to do with Mary because that's what I was teaching on. And I kept thinking about Mary's heart and the brokenness of her heart, the things that she walked through on the earth. But all day I just kind of prayed and interceded about this broken mother's heart and just kind of cried my way through it. And I just over and over I kept hearing Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31. And I came home and I flipped on the television and I saw what had happened and I thought, God, you are so faithful. You had people praying. Father, it didn't stop everything, but there's no telling. There's no telling. Because, see, the rest of that scripture says the sound of weeping and mourning, Rachel crying for her children. She cannot be comforted, for they are no more. And see, these things happen. These things happen in a fallen world and it is appropriate according to Romans. We are supposed to weep with those who weep. We're supposed to cry with them. We're supposed to feel that. But what we are not supposed to do is allow it to steal the joy of the Lord in our lives. What we cannot allow it to do is to take away our security in Christ. To take away the knowledge that he is still sovereign. He is still Lord. He is still faithful. And he is still good. You serve a good God. So though we're walking in, in the midst at this moment of a place of weeping with those who weep, we know ultimately that there is joy that will come after this morning. Amen? Amen. So we're going to get into the Word this morning. If you would stand with me, we're going to read a few things. And let me tell you, I'm so excited about this. I hope you're excited about this. But that's kind of like going, you are going to so love getting your foot stepped on. No, it's just, there's one of these wrenching, <laughs> well, I got one who's happy. Uh, there's this wrenching thing that when God begins to unfold his word, when it becomes life, when the page begins to take on a pulse, and all of a sudden you've got to start to pay attention, oh, help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Let's read together. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee to a virgin betrothed Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. A couple more scriptures. We've skipped down just a couple, just so you know. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Skip a couple more. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Father, I bless you and I thank you. You are so faithful. You are still mighty. You are still in control. You are still sovereign. Yet you love us each individually, Father. You know us by name. And so, Father, what I'm asking today is that you would just breathe life into this room. I ask, Father, that all of our walls come down. I pray, Father, that we approach you and this new knowledge of your mother, Father, in a very tender way. May we see her the way that you saw her today. God. I pray, Father, that everything that is of me would fall and be forgotten, but everything that is of you, Father, would produce seed and stand in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen, amen. Amen. Um, It's so interesting. This is, I have to tell you, it just feels a little bit daunting to try and share about Mary and um, because she is so revered. And I shared with First Service I believe if you asked me, now this is just one woman's opinion, and you have to understand that this today is probably going to be slanted to the female side just a little bit, but also understand that Pastor Ronnie will bring the male perspective next week. And he is very right. It is very different (laughs) because we do uh, tend to respond differently. But I was thinking, Lord, these four characters to me would be the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Mary. To me, they are the four leads. Let's just say that in Springhouse. They are the four leads in this. There, are, there is a plethora of support actors, uh, supporting actors and actresses in this. But if you ask me who the four most important or the four pivotal in the scriptures, this would be my opinion. But I am a mom. I am a mom. And so to come at it from this perspective... And I was standing in my office, and those of you who know me know that I have a tendency to carry on conversations with myself, but I'm not really carrying on conversations with myself because I have this wonderful thing that I feel that the Lord has given me, is that I feel like He is always with me, and He is always with us, amen? So He's always with me, and so I carry on these conversations, and people who walk by might think what is her problem? And even if I weren't speaking, some of you would walk by and go, what is her problem anyway? So I'm just going to go ahead and risk it and talk to the Lord. (laughs) And so I was like, Father, what, what can I tell them about your mother? I mean, what can I tell them about, uh, 
the, the mother of Jesus. And I just had this overwhelming sense of tenderness sweep into my office. Just this softness, just this, this sense of him going, I wish you could have known her. And see, I don't want to take anything away from Mary. I don't want to take anything away from her position, the, the place that God has called her blessed among women, um, highly favored of the Lord. I don't want to take anything away from that. I want to just kind of share what I felt that the Lord had shared with me. Because, see, I could have gotten out of this. I could have come and taught you regarding Mary and walked away virtually unscathed and unchanged if I had just viewed the scriptures as words on a page. And see, sometimes that's what we do. We look at scriptures and we read it and we see what it says, but it never takes on a pulse. And see, but when God began to put flesh and blood on Mary for me, for when that page began to breathe and all of a sudden that mother's heart on the inside of me engaged, everything changed. Messed me up big time. I mean, seriously, it just went, oh God, I never saw that. I always respected Mary. I always... Um, had a place in my heart for her, but to walk with her in some of these places just blew me away. But the only way I know how to do is we'll start with what we know. We'll start with what we know. So, oh, a few of the things we know. The first thing I want to share, it's on your, the insert, and one and two is kind of backwards, but the first thing we know is according to scripture, Gabriel came and visited her. Now, to me, that's very important that it was Gabriel because we see Gabriel three times sent in scriptures. The first time Gabriel comes, or the, the first time we're really made aware of him is when he comes and delivers a message of revelation to Daniel. When he comes to, to go, this is what that dream means, the Lord says, go and tell Daniel to say this. And so we see that Gabriel brings revelation on his visit. So for Gabriel to come and to bring and impart this, there was revelation in it. It's also important, the second time we see him is when he goes to Zacharias and he tells him that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son and that this son will be the forerunner of Christ. It's about announcing John the Baptist. And the third time we see him is when he comes to Mary. See, the angel Gabriel, his, he is known as the, the angel that stands in the presence of God. His name literally means the strength of God. So in that moment... In that place with Mary, she was literally visited by the revelation, the strength, and the presence of God. Is that not good? Could we just not stop and camp there for a moment? See, that's every single verse in the Word of God. There is a depth to it and a richness if we will just sit with it a little bit and go, God, show me this moment. You know, reveal this to my heart. So we know that Gabriel visited her. Strength, revelation, and presence came in that moment. We also know that just as she said, all generations will call me blessed. They do. That was pure prophecy coming forth from a child who they assume when this message came to Mary that she was maybe 13, 12, maybe 13 years old based upon the betrothals at that age, which means, children, that Mary probably gave birth to Jesus when she was around the age of 14 years old. Have you got a 14-year-old looking beside you? And see, we don't understand that because we're a lot older and we're from a different culture. But that just makes it even that more stunning what happens in the life of Mary as she submits to the will of God. See, all generations have called her blessed. And it isn't just in Christianity. Her name has been venerated and, and carried throughout, I mean, Mormonism, 
She's honored in Mormonism. She's honored in Islam. She is recognized as the mother of Jesus. She's not given the same priority that we would give her, but let me understand that every religion, all religions, <laughs> the people of the earth understand who she was and honor her. And so when she spoke those words as a 14, 13-year-old child to go, all generations will call. I used to mis misconstrue it. I'm like, all generations will call me blessed. No, it was all generations will call me blessed. Because there was a humility in her that was unlike anything that we've seen and experienced. She surrendered. Her ultimate act of surrender was in that moment when she stood out there and this message was given by Gabriel. And I believe in that moment, it's like you stand on a razor's edge and it's like your destiny is in front of you and you get to say yes and go this way or you get to say no and never see this promise fulfilled. We face that all the time, guys. God is waiting for our yes. God is waiting for us to get off of that edge, to get off of that thing and go, yes, God, be it unto me according to your word. Can you just say that with me? Be it unto me according to your word. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now, when you pray that and you mean that and you stand before him and do that, you have no idea what's getting ready to open up in front of you. And though I would love to think that, that, that Mary knew everything that was going to take place from that moment she said yes forward, there's just no way. Because we have this common human experience that we have on this planet. And that doesn't take anything away from her. It, if anything, to me, it just elevates her in a way to go, she didn't see everything that was coming. She couldn't plan and prepare for the pain and the ecstasy of being the mother of Jesus Christ on this planet. She couldn't have known all of that, or at least we're not told that she's no, she knows all of that. Yet she stands there and she says, be it unto me as you have said. And then out of that comes this beautiful song. Out of her yes, out of her surrender, comes this beautiful song that we refer to as the Magnificat. And it begins with, my soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Those words alone are astounding. But when you take into uh, consideration the fact that they were coming from a 13-year-old, my soul does magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Oh, mercy. See, we need flesh and blood. In order for me to go where I feel the Lord would have us go today regarding Mary, I need us to take a moment and, and take it off of just words on a page, and we need to give it flesh and blood. And so, Keith, if you don't mind, we are going to uh, see a video being mindful of those things.
inside me wants to hide Is this shadow an angel or a warrior? If God is pleased with me, why am I so terrified? Someone tell me I'm only dreaming Somehow help me see
And I felt like this is where the Lord would have us start. Because when she takes that breath and that smile comes on her face, it is just the beginning of her journey. It is just the beginning of her journey. And it just blows me away what this mother was able to walk through. I was playing, Hal and I were playing with our grandson. And Hal was hiding in the hallway and, and Parker would go and look for him and he would run out and Parker would scream and tense up and, and, and yell and, and uh, begin to laugh and Hal would laugh. And we were doing that and this, this whisper went through my spirit and it was, do you think we never experienced that? And see, the word tells us that his sheep know his voice. And I recognized that voice. And in that moment, I thought that was him going, she wasn't just a mother. She was my mom. She loved him. She was all in. She was fully invested in this baby, this child that she had delivered. Him laying in the manger was just the beginning of the privilege and the pain of being the mother of Jesus. And see, as mothers and as fathers, but as mothers, we get this, the glory of that first breath, truly, that first breath to hold them in your arms for the first time, and these dreams that you have for them are all of a sudden birthed in you, and you can see their future, you know, everything that you dream for them is just right there in that moment as your nose goes into their neck, and you hold them for the first time, you count their toes and their fingers, and your heart is just, everything about you is in that child. Mary did no less. This was her son. This was her baby. She felt him move. You know, she felt his first kicks. This was her boy. And she loved him just like you love your children. She was there the first time he took his first steps. She was there to coax him on, to kiss his boo-boos when he fell. You know, he was her source of comfort in those little times. I believe that Jesus loved his mother he loved his mother, and she was in it. For better or for worse, her heart was fully invested. And let me tell you something. I believe we have lost something when we have taken away so much from Mary in removing her humanity. Yes, she was blessed. Yes, she was highly favored in the, of the Lord, but she was flesh and blood, and she felt everything that we feel as parents. And let me tell you, when our kids succeed, oh, it's as if we have done something fabulous. Look what a good job I've done raising that child. And if they do something horrible, you're like, oh, look what their father caused. <laughs> Okay, maybe not, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> I know most of it's my fault. I know me. But the thing is, is whether they are doing amazing or whether they are breaking your heart, this thing that God did in us as parents, this thing that he put in us that made us love them no matter what, Oh, it's heartbreaking, and it's glorious, and it's wonderful, and there is such a high cost to it, but it is worth every single thing you pour into it. And as you walk with them through their lows, and you walk with them through your highs, in the back of your spirit, you hear God going, I am relentless in my love for you too. Understand that you broke my heart. Understand that I rejoice with you. All of your successes, I'm applauding you. I'm singing over you. And when you miss it, and you mess up, my heart breaks, but my love is unchanging. 
my love is unchanging. And, and I think about what it cost this woman on this planet to love him, to clothe him, to bathe him, to, to put her face in his little tummy as he laid on the, the carpet and wrestle with him and, and to know this child. See, it breaks my heart when one of my kids get hurt. When something happens and someone's mean to them or someone says something, our hearts break with them, you know? Can you even imagine, can you even imagine as a mother walk, watching your son walk through what he walked through? Can you even imagine? And, and honestly, guys, I'm not negating uh, Joseph, but I know that Pastor Ronnie's going to bring that. But I can tell you, as a mother, I went to a funeral of a, a, a young friend of mine, had a two-year-old that had passed away, and I remember standing with her and her fighting, wanting to get out, going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, you know, and us trying to get her outside because as a mother, that kind of loss, you can't imagine it, you can't fathom it, much less to have to walk with your child through that. And see, we know that she did. She was there with his first breath, and then we see her at the foot of the cross on his last breath. Because he looks, and you know that he loved her, because he says, he looks down and he says, woman, behold thy son. Actually, one, the translation is, dear woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And it says from that point forward, John took her into his home. See, because he, this was the woman who had walked with him. And see, we don't know a lot about from the time in the manger. We don't know a lot until there, until he was 12 years old teaching in a temple. But let me tell you what I can tell you about a mother. Because this mama was walking this little boy. She was teaching him. Every day she was getting up going, God, show me what to show him. God, help me to teach him right from wrong. Help me, God, to walk this out because we do it. Every day, I don't know how to raise a kid. Golly, when I had mine, I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, what do I do with it now? It was cute. That was the plan. <laughs> now they talk. They talk back. <laughs> they don't do what you tell them to do, and they don't stay where you put them. But we have no clue, so our days are spent going, help me, God. Do you think for one moment that Mary didn't have that every day going, God, you gave him to me. Show me how to love him. Show me how to teach him. Show me what to do here, God. She loved him hugely, hugely. Mm. Just blows me away, the sacrifice that she made and the privilege that it was. Because, see, Jesus, Mary had to be human because she was raising a man who would once be, at one time be called the high priest, the great high priest. And see, Scripture tells us that he would be touched by the very feeling of our infirmities. For Christ to fulfill his purpose in the earth, Mary had to be human. Mary had to be able to walk with him and talk with him and teach him. And um, I, he had to experience things. She was the most important female influence in his life. Can I just throw that out there? She was the most important female influence in his life at that point as a child. She had to be able to pour into him. Her vulnerabilities had to be there. She had to be able to be human so that he could witness and be a part of that because he's got to be touched by that when we go to him as the high priest. Amen? Amen. So what I want to just submit to you is that, that Mary, that 
having, this is, feels a little risky, but she couldn't have known everything her yes would mean. She couldn't have. I don't think God gave her a divine privilege where she was numb to pain. I don't think that she had a foresight and a reasoning beyond what is, is common to man. And I believe her yes was every single day of obedience, following him, going after him, doing what she was required to do in those moments, and then leaving the rest to God. And can I tell you that that's what we have to do every single day in our walk with him as children of God or in our walk with as parents on the planet, getting it right and getting it wrong? You know, can I tell you something? There are no perfect children. Does anyone have any perfect children? Okay, but now it's a different response if I say, does anyone have any perfect grandchildren? All the hands go up. There are no perfect children. We do not have perfect children, and God does not have perfect children. What we do have is a, a God whose love is relentless. Can I get the, the um, worship team to come up for a moment? Maybe more than a moment. See, to me, the most beautiful thing about Mary... <laughs> To be that young, the Holy Spirit to inspire, had to have inspired her response. But see, I believe there are so many of us that God is waiting on our yes. God is waiting on us to go, be it unto me as you have said, because the moment that Mary said those words, I believe there was something conceived on the inside of her that was eternal and miraculous and that would change the world as we know it. And can I tell you that when you give God your yes, when you decide to stop playing games anymore, when your reputation no longer matters, can I tell you something? God is not concerned about your reputation. He is concerned about your character. And see, we know that because he said he came and he made himself of no reputation. See, it didn't matter to him. What mattered was doing what was right. And doing what was right. And doing what was right cost him. Doing what is right in your life will cost you. It will cost you, but it is so worth it. And it isn't, I hesitate to say this because I don't want you to misconstrue it. It's not about your reputation. It's about his reputation and it's about your character and walking out those things, whether it's the best day in the world with him or whether it's the hardest day that you have ever walked through, understanding his love is relentless. He's a very real, very faithful God. He had a very real very amazing mother. And it blows my mind the privilege that she had to walk with him from first breath to last breath. Loving him, no holds barred. Everything out there going, this is my son. And I just wonder, can we live our lives that way? No holds barred. Fully invested holding nothing back. Can we stand? Instead of opening the altar today, if you will allow me to, when all of this just began to unfold in my office and I cried myself silly and made a mess of everything. I'm just standing in there and I'm thinking, God, it's like the star of Bethlehem that we watched. Just the, the enormous 
creativity, the planning, the insight, the, the pure genius that went into this plan of his. And I found myself just standing in my office, just crying, going, singing, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And see what I want to do today, if we might, is just to take a moment. And if there's anywhere in your life where you have not given God that, that yes, where you have surrendered a little but not fully, and you know that you haven't, we're going to take a moment and we're going to begin to say, Hallelujah, blessed is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. And as we do in that moment, if you don't mind, I just want us to lift our hands. And if your moment has not yet come where you went, God, I surrender, be it unto me as you have said, I want you to take this moment and do that. Now, we will pray for you. If you need prayer, literally, I would love for you to just turn to the person next to you if someone can pray with them. But for this moment, I want us to just exalt him and call him holy. Amen.
so when she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the low estate of his handmaid, and behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who has mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. That your surrender would birth your song. Amen. Amen. I'm going to offer a blessing and then we're going to sing it one more time if you just extend your hand. Father, may the revelation, the strength, the presence of God be with each of these, Father. May there be a cry in their heart that goes, Behold, the, the Son has come, and behold, let Him come back quickly. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we anticipate Your presence. We anticipate Your strength. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we would go out with the knowledge that Christ has surely come. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.